Hello everybody and welcome to Julian Jones Was Live in the 90s. Yes, today we have a very special guest. We have Glenn Williams, who is a seasoned, well-respected and winning journalist who has spent the last 30 years of his career working extensively in the world of magazines and newspapers. In that time, he has covered world-famous stories, earning the valued trust and profiling many of the world's most treasured icons, along with a highly successful career in journalism, specialising in real life, travel and entertainment reporting. Glenn has won, oh, Glenn has worked, he has won awards. Glenn has worked as a TV publicist and copywriter for various media organisations. Welcome to the show, Glenn Williams. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thanks, Julian. Thank you for having me. Oh, look, thank you for putting some time aside to come on the show. It's still quite experimental, so I really appreciate you taking that gigantic risk in your career. I love experimenting. <laughs> so do I. I'm glad you do. Well, you are a journalist, so you love investigating and experimenting. That was a bit of a blurb from New Holland Publishers. That They're your publishing company for your... Books with an S. That's correct, yes. So you do you do have a book out at the moment called A Haunting Place, but there's also another book called Amazing Structures. That's right. That was written for kids to get them interested in architecture. Look at you go. I think that's fantastic. I haven't actually read that. I've got to get my little eyes onto it and have a good read of it. Yeah, they did a beautiful job with that book. I mean, it's, it's a hardcover and it's... Um, full of great pictures and I take the kids through every facet of architecture from the ancient Greeks right up till now. My favourite part of that book is dealing with the um, groovy 60s and the space age period (laughs) and I focus on the LA's National Airport building that was so like something out of the Jetsons that was so groovy and still is today. Wow. I personally couldn't sit down and write a book about structures, so hats off to you. That's pretty amazing. One thing that does interest me is uh, hauntings, and you have written recently a book called A Haunting Place. Yep, that's right. Now, you and I, just to set the mood, we've been to a couple of castles together. We went to Kyle Castle in Lee Creek on the way to Ballarat with our photographer friend Alana Lansbury. Gosh, we laughed that day, didn't we, what? <laughs> Alana was an absolute hoot. At first, Alana didn't quite get our humour, but by the end of the day, we were all rolling around in stitches. It was a very surreal job because you're dealing with someone who's decided to build a castle in the middle of nowhere yes. and then fill it with stuffed lions. They're not just stuffed lions, they were real lions. And it was... Very hypodermic and very strange. <laughs> we laughed our heads off. It, and we kept pinching ourselves saying, we're getting paid to do this? Yeah. And, and the man that ran the castle, he wasn't well at the time, but yes. gee, we had a ball with him. He was so accommodating and wonderful. And his attention to detail was extraordinary. And his beautiful oh, wife. Yes. And the castle was impeccable. So why would you choose to build a castle in that area? Or anywhere, for that matter. I think the, the grand thing is you, it, it really does stand out on your way to Ballarat, so you do get to see it. It is quite phenomenal, isn't it? It really was, and it was a fun, fun day. He, the gentleman, I wish I had his name, actually. I thought I had it here, but I can't find it. So um, he, not only did he create it and build it, he also made armory that's right he did too yes how crazy was that like feeling it and seeing it and the swords he he had the whole craft right down and his attention as i said earlier his Mm. attention to detail but i forgot about the armory Mm. yes he created all of that as well he did what a clever clever man how ridiculous and we we respectfully can't remember his name but that's you and i isn't it like you, you you can't remember all the details of a job and we're speaking about a gig that Glenn and I did together um, for Woman's Day at this at Cryle Castle. We also went to Monsalvat together with a exceptional photographer, Gina Militia, Vale Gina Militia. 
Do you remember? Montsalvat's a very important place for me. I've done several stories there. Yeah. Um, often orchestrated by the great Susie Howie, which I would like to talk about further along the track. But, oh, for sure. Um, that, that job with Gina mm. was just amazing because I think we were there from memory. We were there to interview a couple that lived a vampire lifestyle. <gasps> we did too. And they really did. They actually drank blood. They they drank, what, what's that green green um, drink that people, oh, it's very strong K- and potent. Kale. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was as healthy as kale. No, they, they imbibed on a, a very strong substance. I can't, oh, I can't even think of it at the moment, but wow. it'll come back to me. Yeah. But we had a ball with Gina and I, I would like to pay tribute to Gina as well now. Mm. Gina was a very, very dear friend to you and I. Yes. And uh, such a brilliant, wonderful photographer, but also had the knack of, or she had the gift of empathy. Because whatever subject that we were photographing or I was interviewing, she got to know them very intimately, very quickly, and assessed where they were at and took the most beautiful photos as a result of getting their trust. But it wasn't a fake trust. Mm. She was genuine. Mm, definitely. Here, here. Um, mm. She just had this real amazing confidence about her that, you know, you as a woman you'd, yes. you'd want to hope you, you could get at some stage in your life. Absolutely. A confidence but without the arrogance. Correct. So funny. No. There's a joke. There's a Although joke. Although you there. and I would often joke <laughs> about her behind her back, Although, we did. as you said recently, she did overhear us one day. But we were making out that she was some other person that she actually wasn't, because she was just so. The moment she walked into the room, mm. first of all, she had this rock chick, um, what's the word, confidence about her. Yeah, and and she had the beauty that also accompanied her, whether she liked it or not, mm. and. She had the talent and this and the sincerity that backed it all up. Oh, absolutely! And, yeah, and gosh, we had some laughs with Gina. She was just an absolute delight to work with. Mate, I think I thought we would get into trouble way more than we did because <laughs> we just laughed so hard with her. We As- did, we did. But what I loved about Gina was. She could also hone in on what was happening in, in our lives. Yeah. It wasn't always about the subject, the interview subject. She also took the time to find out what was going on with you and me. Yeah. And uh, I had some very big heart-to-heart with that beautiful lady, and I miss her terribly. Oh, same here. And, you know, look, we're, we're so blessed that we have those deep memories with Gina. Oh, look, honestly, people are often say to me, oh, who have you interviewed? And, oh, have you met that person? Have you met this person? Yeah. For me, it was usually just going on the job with the people I loved and oh. the team that that we formed on those jobs. That, that's the special part for me was working together yeah. and having the same vision or, or trying to work on the same vision and, and also delivering on some very, very heavy deadlines as well. Oh. And, you know, it, it, it got to the point where you never get too comfortable as an artist, right, Because or as a creator, so you're a creative writer, artist. You never get too comfortable because if you get too comfortable, I think, you know, it's, I it think that, can be dangerous. I think, honestly, fear is the key. I always had butterflies in my stomach yeah. prior to a job. Once I settled down with the, with the person I was talking to, instant rapport, but... It was the nerves that made you want to do well. Oh, yeah. and, and also research was absolutely imperative as far as I was concerned. But also, too, just to let the person speak. It wasn't about us. It mm. was We were there, but we were invisible. It was the subject telling their story. Mm. There's a song in the musical chess called Someone Else's Story. And I hold fast to that. It's a privilege to tell someone else's story, and yep. you were doing it with your hair and makeup, yep. and you know it, it, the photographer was telling it through through the lens. Yep. But what I loved the most was it it gave people 
journalism, and that's including all of us, yeah. journalism allows us to give someone else a voice that they may not have been able to have. That's the thing. I mean, that's quite an important um, phrase for me. We, we might bring that up a little bit later. Sure. Um, because I do want to get onto your book because we are here to talk about your book is one reason why you're here today. And Gina and I worked with you a little bit on that book. You were graceful enough to invite us both, but Gina took some photos and showed them to me one day and she was convinced that it was unexplainable because she tried to debunk the orbs that she had photographed. It looked like a... Um, a place of worship um, where she'd had a setup done to get a specific shot. And there's these balls of light really quite prominent in the photo, yeah? And so you interviewed her about that? I did, and absolutely. But the thing with, with photography, you often capture something that the physical eye can't see. Mm. And, and Gina, who was very, very down to earth, she did capture those orbs, mm. and orbs are basically spirits that that have not gone where they've they've never settled. They're ghosts, basically. Yeah. yeah. And she checked her lenses, the whole thing, and it was irrefutable. A spirit had come into her photo. Yeah. Yeah. It was so, pretty clear. Oh, definitely, definitely. And as, as, as you say, she tried to work on the on the photography, but it, it was just there. It, it, and she saw it as it, as she took the photo. Yeah. And she was very spiritual, so she picked up on it straight away. But, yes, that was that was a, 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 the beginning of a haunting place for her. Yeah. I mean, she tried to debunk it. She tried to retake the photo, and she tried to even create a flare in her lens to compare that flare to That's the right. ball she of light. Too, yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And this is the thing. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are sitting on the fence. They don't know whether they believe or, or don't believe. And, you know, they want to see the evidence They haven't had their own experience. Then there's others that have been like grabbed and pushed and yelled at, or they can hear voices and conversations. They're not crazy people. Some of these people get, you know, go go and check to see if they're going crazy. And, you know, they're not. And they're being assessed. Because for some people, this is, like, quite regular in their lives if they live in a haunted location. So you, but also, too, some people like yourself mm, have a, have a, a gift. Yeah. And, uh, well, some would not call it a gift. Some would call it a curse. But yes. you're seeing another world. Yeah. while we're just seeing the physical world. Oh. As I've gotten older, I've, I've learned that uh, we don't only live in a physical world, but the spirit world is probably more real yeah. than the actual one that we inhabit. And some people have the gift or curse to pick up on that. Yeah, Others don't. But others, like me, who, who was a cynic, have had their own first-hand experiences. And once you've had that, you can't you can't deny that there's something else going on while we exist. Exactly. Can you elaborate on? Yeah, I can. I, I can. Yeah. I can. Mm. Um, first of all, I was brought up uh, by lovely, lovely parents, but they always said there's no such thing as ghosts because yeah. I used to get scared as a kid, and yeah. you know, and they said, "Look, don't worry. There's no such thing as ghosts." And yet, years later, when I was on one of my first um, trips overseas as a, as a backpacker, as a young 20-year-old, I was in Florence with one of my best mates, and we checked into a pensione, and we'd had a great day. Had a great day, just sightseeing and yeah, eating gelatos like there was no tomorrow. It was just fun. Yeah. We got back to the room. I thought it was a lovely room. Anyway, my mate Mark, he went, he went to sleep and then I was on the other side of the room and I turned off the light after reading a book and suddenly I felt this weight upon me. It was incredible. It was just, it wasn't just a weight. It was something really foreboding, scary, 
and it took the wind right out of me. I was trying to call out to my mate Mark, saying, Mark, Mark, turn the light on, there's, there's something on me. That's what I was thinking, wow. but I couldn't articulate the words. Mm. Anyway, this weight kept pressing down on me, down on me, and it, I knew it wasn't a good thing. Yeah. And I, because I was brought up in the church as a Catholic, good Catholic boy, I thought, I'll, I'll pray, I'll pray. And so I prayed, and I just quickly said in my head, because I couldn't speak, in the name of Jesus, Satan be gone. And the moment I said those words, this thing left me. Now, people have said, oh, there's this thing called midnight paralysis, and yes. it just happens, blah, blah, blah. Well, no, it, it wasn't that, because what I felt was very much an evil, evil presence. And also, given the location, I mean, how many people would have died oh. at that location, for better or for worse? But yep. the ones that, that died for worse are probably still lingering there. And there probably would have been a lot of abuse, torture, yep. pain involved in their death, and that's why they're still there. I don't know why he chose me to pin me down, but years later when I was researching my book, mm. This story was absolutely consistent with everyone that I interviewed about staying in haunted motel rooms or pensions. They all said they had this weight come on them. They couldn't move. They were paralyzed. They couldn't even speak. So I I find the stories far too consistent to dispute. Hmm. I would agree. Um, I I mean, I used to live in um, an old apartment in Elwood with my ex-partner. And we experienced sleep paralysis quite a few times, but a couple of times in particular, you could literally see a dark mass at the yes. at the at our feet, holding us down. And I was like, "Ugh!" And one person could talk or at least scream, and the other one was completely out of it. And we had to work very hard at waking each other up to fight it off if it was anything, but the thing is we were both having the same experiences at the same time, you know, and some people say, what drugs were you on? And it's like, no, no. That's amazing. I haven't heard that before where two people have had the same thing at the same time, same experience. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Mm. It was challenging. And then you've, like, uh, um, that's the thing too, right? There's, There's that stigma attached to talking about it. And, you know, you're crazy. It's sort of the same stigma that if you talk about family violence, sexual assaults, UFOs, UAPs, we get this uh, very opin- strong opinionated force back. And, you know, it's, it's not like we're um, inventing these stories to get attention. It's actually happened. I I fully agree with that, and isn't it incredible that we live in such a world where there is this variety mm. of unexplained stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, as you say, hauntings, UFOs, and the easiest thing I feel is is to dismiss it and go that person's a nutter. Yes, but when you find the stories are so consistent mm. and and so ongoing. With, with their consistency, not not deviating yeah. at all from what they saw, what they felt. You know, who are we to judge or, or decide, no, they're nuts and we're saying, hello, how ridiculous. Good point. Who are we to judge? I think probably the better place to sit is, well, we haven't experienced anything, so we'll, we'll just take your word for it maybe. You know, something simple. Yeah, that, like that, that that would be that would be nice. But be um, you have a a very inbred part of our our gene system, which is called cynicism, and it's so easy to be a cynic, whereas you could be a believer, or yeah. at least look into it a bit further. Yeah, I agree. And you know, maybe maybe um, a few people listening to this will grab your book hopefully more than a few, grab your book, have a read of these really true encounters that people have experienced. And then I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't want to harp on the book, but all I can say is... What was the book? Not, a Haunting Place. Yeah, we'll harp yes, on it a bit more. Yes, A Haunting more. Place, yeah. but 
the thing with that that book is it, it is other people's stories. It's just them yeah. telling me what happened to them. Yeah, it's not me passing any judgment. Yes, forming an opinion. It's just telling the story. You decide for yourself. Yes, and you know these stories do at times gain traction in the magazine world. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. People are interested you, in it. Well, look, you and I were sent out on countless ghost stories. Let's face it, we <laughs> did we did a lot of ghost stories together. We did, and they were all all mystery stories. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and I found them as entertaining as what the reader would have. Well, I mean, for sure, we were in some of those locations that were a little bit spooky, you know. So absolutely. Um, look, I remember I did one story. I don't think you were on this one. And there was a, a father had, unfortunately, um, there was some a lot of family, family violence and it is believed that he murdered his pregnant daughter and the new boyfriend and apparently he was preg- she was pregnant with her father's child, not the boyfriend's child, and they went missing. They announced, I think they announced that they were going to get married and they went missing the next day. Anyway, so we went and interviewed that family and as soon as I walked in the door, they were all like, he's here, he's here, he's here. Here, look at this photo, tell us what you see. And I'm, as soon as I looked at it, clear as, that was transparent, but you could see the boyfriend and the girlfriend in the family photo. And they were at either end, either end of the shot. They weren't standing together, they were both at separate ends, tucked in close to the family. And you could see their eyes, their lips, their hair. They weren't even alive then, and here they are in this photo, transparent. Like, it was spooky, and, oh, you know. Was, was that only that you could see that, or, no, everyone, or was that? No, everyone could see it, but they were just. Really? They wow. Were, they were like, you know, that rumour of me being a little bit spiritual. <laughs> They'd obviously had a well, chat before I got there. Let's see if he picks it up. But it was clear as day. It was like watermark on a watermark on a banknote. You know, you could still wow. see it. Mm. So, and does anything particular stand out for you when you were doing that book? Like, did you have any epiphanies, a haunting place? Did you have any epiphanies? You, you, did you have any stories that struck you? Or did they all oh, have gosh, an impact? There, there, there were so many. A, a friend of mine, Graham, was uh, an we, he was living in Germany at the time. He just started an apprenticeship yeah. in Germany, and he was told not to go up to this certain hill mm. where an old, uh, decrepit, run-down castle was. And he went up there because he, he thought it was all very, you know, uh, rock and roll cover sort of um, <laughs> Led Zeppelin yes. type cover, you know. Yes. So he went up. And when the wind was howling, and when he got up there to the to the castle, and he was by himself, oh! And next thing, he felt a force trying to push him over over the the cliff, and there were voices just laughing and mocking oh. him, and he he ran he ran from the place and ran down the hill back to the village. And he was told, you were told not to go up there. And it's all very sort of a medieval type tale, but it actually happened to him. Wow. And he said he could physically feel the hands forcing him to the edge of the cliff and also the laughter. That was the main thing he said was the, the raging laughter that surrounded him. I mean, how haunting is that? I mean, that just sends chills through your body when you know they're mocking you and frightening you like that on purpose and how you couldn't get any scarier than someone trying to push you over the side of a cliff and you can't see them absolutely <laughs> so that's what happened so that that story really alarmed me wow. oh i have several several tales but yeah that that's one of the main ones yeah wow yeah no i mean don't go standing next to cliffs People. Yeah, well, don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> and don't go but, chasing waterfalls. I love but, um, look, for me, I think I've said this to you earlier, but mm. for me, I've learned the, the big lesson from writing that book was 
the spirit world is just as real as the physical world. Yeah. Some of us will encounter it, others won't. Mm. But until you do, you have no right to to deny that it's there. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the big lesson. And and also realize that there's some very troubled, I think you hinted at this earlier, mm. those souls that are still here, mm-hmm. they've probably experienced the most devastating of traumas that we can't even fathom. Yeah. And that's why they, they haven't gone to their resting place. Yeah. So they're here. Some of them also are just blatantly evil yeah. and demonic. Mm. And you have to, well, if you encounter it, you have to discern, is it just a, a, a peaceful soul that is tormented and can't quite find his way, his or her way home? Yeah. Or is it something beyond that, something evil that I can't begin to understand or, or explain why or how, but you know that, it, that that exists as well? Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm a... Um, ghost hunting TV junkie. I love watching Ghost Brothers and um, all sorts of ghost hunting shows, ghost hunters. Um, and one thing I noticed, like we were just saying, there's a there seems to be a little bit of a pattern. They use EMF. They use a lot of um, technical TV, technical stuff, recorders and um, infrared cameras and things like that. And they quite often get somebody's story using all those equipments like the um yeah the ghost might say rape or um violence or and quite often it seems that a lot of family violence sufferers from back then tend to linger like oh i plan on not doing that i plan on i hope to move on and experience whatever is next for me rather than linger around in this world Visit it, maybe, but not linger. Yeah, no, I fully agree. And You've just um, conjured an, another memory for me. I was sent to cover a haunted pub Ooh, in, yeah. uh, in Queensland. Yeah. And you, you mentioned technology. Mm. We had a band of so-called ghostbusters. I don't like that term, but that's what they were. Yeah. But they had everything set up in this old pub. And downstairs, the pub was filled with with patrons, but upstairs where, where the haunting took place, they had set up all this amazing gadgetry, which I still don't understand. Mm. But, and they had a photo of the former publican who they believe dwelled in this room at the end of, of the hallway. And his name I can't remember, but they had this photo and it was very, the, the photo itself is haunting. And he had a troubled life, this publican. Anyway, I was told to go upstairs by myself. And as I walked up the stairs, now this is a cliche because everyone that's experienced ghosts always talks about the temperature dropping. Mm -hmm. It was, now here I am in humid Queensland. By the time I got to the top of the stairs, I was shivering. Yeah. And then I walked down the hallway into this man's room and it was, cold as ice it really was as cliched as that sounds it really was freezing in that room mm. next thing i heard a voice and it, again it's, it's a cliche from a horror movie a voice said to me get out get out like that Oof. so i bolted out of the room Oof. but that was all picked up that was all picked up with this equipment that they had so that's why i can never ever doubt again the existence of these ghosts, spirits, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. So, I mean, yes. that's the beauty of, of the modern day equipment that we've like created over the last 20 years. And to be able to, like digital recorders have been extremely helpful and to stop people think they're going crazy. Because if you've heard this voice with your own ears, and it didn't get captured on the recorder, you're left isolated with that experience. Oh, I, I still am, though. I mean, you know, when I got home and, um, you know, I rang up my parents because I always used, used to ring my mum and dad and say, oh, I've just done this story and blah, blah, blah. My dad would laugh his head off and say, oh, you're bloody mad, mate. <laughs> yeah, 
Oh, it's it's quite a common response, isn't it? But yeah. but that's the beauty of technology is times have changed, and it really has helped the I think mental health of a lot of people that have had experiences because if you do capture what you heard with your ears on a digital recorder, either there's someone very clever in the room making that happen without you knowing, or it really happened that way. The voice. I fully ca- agree, mm. and also too, I some people don't realise that. I mean, I don't think I have the gift. I know you do, but some people are extra sensitive to that. Mm. But I think everyone has experienced a supernatural phenomenon and just conveniently put it into the, oh, I just imagined that basket. Now, who hasn't seen something out of the corner of their eye rush by them? Well, according to so many people who have investigated journalism, whatever, into spiritual happenings, Mm. that's a ghost passing you by. You just thought, you just physically saw a spirit Yes. Rush by you. But yes. no, it's like, oh, my eyes were playing tricks on me or, you know, you try and rationalise it. Yeah. There, to me, there is no rationalising the, the spirit world. Wow. Because it's not within our grasp to do that. That's a big call. I love it. Well, that's, I that's agree my with belief. You. No, that's I, my belief. Oh, I believe. I, I agree with you. I mean, you know that... Um, Look, there's so many stories I could tell you, but I won't share well, all. Go on. Well, I would like to talk to you about the one that you told me in the book with, with your former partner yeah. that went missing yeah. and how he appeared to you yeah. while you were painting a wall. Yes. Can you talk about that story, please? Yeah, so well, Glenn rang me and asked if I would do a chapter in the book. And I've had heaps of experiences in my life and I shut them all down because... You know, I, I'm trying to live this life in the now, so I, it's it's too hard. There's so many. Um, I can have a lot of visions if I tap into it, and plus, people think you're crazy, and they already think I'm crazy, so I don't need any more. But you know, I I've started coming out about it a little bit more. I'm 52 years old now, so I'm a bit braver about talking about it. I do believe in it, but I'd was painting my laundry wall white and I could see my ex-partner appear on my wall transparent but not really it was probably one of the most solid visions I've ever seen but I could still see my brick wall behind him through him and I just thought ah that's that's bollocks you're just thinking about him and you've you've put that vision there in front of you so take a break go and have a cup of tea and then get back to your painting So I did that, I went and had a cup of tea, got back to my painting and I'm starting to paint the wall again. There he is again, like full view, looking absolutely horrified, look in his face. And I'm thinking, what is that? I kept looking deep into his eyes going, what are you trying to tell me? It it was horrifying. Anyway, so I packed up. I sort of freaked out a little bit because I've not had such a clear vision and I hadn't seen him for at least, I think, three or four years, maybe three. And I'd, um, I would I packed up and went down to the lounge room, simmed myself down and went to bed. And I woke up in the morning to a phone call at about 5.54 in the morning, something ridiculous like that. And a girlfriend of mine was working on ABC morning news and she said I, I took the call yeah you okay what's going on and she goes oh, I just wanted to know if you knew about Attila I said huh and she said yeah Attila Boga's gone missing and I said no what no I saw a vision of him on my wall last night that's a bit uncanny and she goes turn on ABC TV right now and you'll see a news story about him and there he was missing on my TV in my lounge room like only about you know seven hours after I had that vision it was pretty confronting. That kind of moved me considerably. And Glenn graciously popped that in his book. Thank you for that story, that release. Yeah, but also the police then investigated further into his disappearance as a result of that vision, I understand. Yeah, well, they definitely did investigate further. Um, 
and asked me a series of questions, even asked if I did it. And I was like, no, I haven't seen him for like two or three years. Because, you know, the exes of a lot of women, uh, female cases, yeah, controlling men would possibly do that, but not me. I actually let people go if they feel like they need to leave a relationship. I don't force him to stay. What what intrigues me is the fact that he was trying to reach out to you. Mm. That so that meant the relationship completely meant something to him as well. Definitely. And oh yeah. We we still don't know what the outcome is of his death though, do we? Or his disappearance? No, it's just an open case now. So. But you you looked into it further though. From memory, you also went. Looking for his car? Yeah. No, so we found his car and an actress girlfriend of mine and myself, we went through his car and she found um, his hotel car um, hotel card underneath his mat, the, f- the driver's seat mat, and she lifts it up and waves it at me after the police have done a search, mind you, and she waves it at me and says, I think they missed something. And they did check that... Um, hotel card and the cct cameras weren't sort of working properly around that time so yeah but they but they did establish that he according to the computers at the chifley hotel they um it recorded him i think leaving or coming at 4 15 a.m so it was a bit peculiar and he didn't they found his car the next day so whether he met someone in that hotel or met somebody after in the foyer, who knows? I mean, endless possibilities, yeah. So you've had no other encounters with him since that painting of the laundry? Oh, wow. Kind of now that you say that, I did have a conversation with his mum because my mum came to stay with me when that happened because I was a bit distressed and he was my ex-partner, so I kind of didn't have any rights to be too vocal. How long were you together? Uh, about ooh, a couple of years off and on. It was oh, a bit, okay, it was a wow, bit, that's pretty full on. Yeah, and it was a bit tumultuous because he, he wasn't quite sure whether he wanted to be there or not. You know, he was right. starting a new business and everything. So he, he had a lot of challenges and he had anxiety. So he was really struggling with medication and work stress. And, and fair enough, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't take anything too personally um, we communicated very well throughout that breakup and and we communicated a bit afterwards. What was your question? <laughs> no, you've answered it. I, I just asked how long were you together? Oh, yeah, no. So that was the other thing you said, have I had any other encounters after? And so you, you get a little bit triggered when your partners have be- become missing. So my brain shut down for a sec. Um I remember I sat down on my bed and my mum was up in the lounge room um, and I thought I heard Jules, I'm dead in my ears. I thought maybe it was the springs in my mattress or something. So I, I stood back up and I sat back down in the same spot and tested the springs and I couldn't hear them. And as soon as I stopped testing the springs, I heard Jules, I'm dead again. So that was, I had to go out to mum and just say, oh, I think he just spoke to me in my ear. But, you know, who knows? I remember you telling me that you went out and said to your mum, what did you, what did you just say? That's true. I, said, I said nothing. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and she'd been having, mum herself had had been, thought she could hear voices in the lounge room a few times around Zatilla's disappearance time you know early on so within that 10 day period of him going missing and she could she said oh i could just hear someone talking to me in my ears in the lounge room i've never heard that in my house before so and i've been here 11 years so yeah wow who knows mate? and 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 that case remains open then can you say that again sorry that that case remains open oh yeah yeah it remains open so i don't know whether they'll ever review it again or not, but we'll when see. When you told the police of, of your personal take on it, yeah, were they were they cynical or did they did the, they offer any? Do you know what? Like we we did have like 
there's a few of my friends that are spiritualists and they're really non-dramatizing spiritualists yeah they don't make a song and dance about it yeah absolutely yeah how it should be it's exactly right they really downplay everything and we all had a meeting at my house and um you know there, there were quite a few things that came up we we did have a seance it's not something i recommend to anybody do oh you did tell me go on do tell this story please yeah and um you know there were some very reputable people at the table and we did get a license plate number we got a woman's name that was said several times over and a couple of locations and then i got visions of you know what might have occurred to him it wasn't very nice and yeah so i look i saw a truck um i saw a, a guy and a girl with him um so i rang the police and i gave them the registration number of the truck that we we saw and um we mentioned some of the names and locations and they actually followed them through they actually did that officer was kind enough to respectfully see those things through the thing the information we gave her names locations um and the number plate and she rang me back and she went look we investigate it was so sweet of her right i mean it was i guess the last desperate attempt and that's how we were all feeling because everything else wasn't flowing um so yeah hats off to her what a what a great policewoman she didn't make me feel uncomfortable she didn't make me feel crazy and i did say to her look i know this is a bit out of the box but some very reputable spiritualists are coming and we're going to have a seance and we're going to see if we can get information for you and she just said yeah well you just ring it through when you get it so i took that information to attila's mother's house and rosa boga and shared that information with her in case anything came up for her and the woman's name that we'd come up with was attila's grandmother who he'd never met uh, who he'd never met in his life right so gosh. i never heard her name before he's never spoken to her about about her to me so that was i don't know i guess that was something for attila's mum to process it kind of hit all of us. It, it was in Hungarian name too, by the way. It wasn't like an Australian Susan. So that was all, um, yeah. I mean, that's that's it does work sometimes. I think if you don't dra- if you don't over dramatize it, and you stay nice and calm, and yeah. But I look, but you, I, you 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 have this gift which I don't mm. have or can't quite fathom. But can you recount? You see my uncle who was killed in a motorcycle accident and you just were happening to go to the loo on one of our jobs that you saw two young men. Yeah. Can you recount that story, please? The thing was um, we'd, the, we had Yanni, a photographer, another f- amazing photographer, a friend of ours, in the car with yeah. us. And I think Yanni was prompting me to get connected to the other side or get connected to my spirituality. So I did in the car for a little bit. And I remember we pulled over and I went to the bathroom and I'm going to the toilet, just having a wee. And on the wall, I could see two men um, off their bikes at first. They showed me the colour of their bikes. They both put their hats back on and did like monos at each other. And I'm, you know, thinking, how come what, I'm What do you mean by mono? Monos. Pull, what does that mean? Pulling a mono, so they pull their front wheel up in the air. Oh, right, like chucking a wheelie. Yeah, chucking a wheelie at each other and being real smarty pants about it. Like, look at us, we're so good, we're such good riders. Anyway, I thought, why am I saying this? So I got back in the car and I said to you both, do either of you know anyone that's a couple of guys that have died on motorbikes and then I, I told them that you guys are the colours of the bikes and the, the look of the men and you both went yeah well and what was your answer well my answer was that was my uncle Peter he died at 17 the moment he got his bike he died around 
near the Manly Fisho Club, yeah. um, taking a bend that he couldn't take, but he was taking it at great speed, and he died wow. at, at that very ridiculous young age. And he showed me that young age. You know, that was that was like the the mono he was pulling for me. It was like something yep. that a young man would do. Not he a... was out way out of his depth. I didn't yeah. doubt it for a second. The moment you said that, I, I instantly thought of my uncle Peter. Wow. And I thought, oh gosh, yes, I do remember that. Wow. So, and Yanni also said yes mm. to the other guy. He did. I think it was a friend of his that died quite young on a motorbike. And uh, and he. Conf- how do you explain that away? You know what I mean. I don't know. It drives me crazy. <laughs> like seeing those visions sometimes drives me a bit crazy. And you have and to. Go are you able to actually turn it off? Or- yeah. Yes. How? 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 So if I if some if a picture comes in the forefront of my brain, or I can see it visually on a wall, or yeah, usually visually on a wall, um, I just go no. I don't want to talk to you, and I walk away. Simple as that. Too much stress sometimes. You're like, you've got enough to deal with in this world without having to deal with them as well. Well, that's the other thing. You're dealing with both sides. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's a natural gift, so I can't imagine being able to turn it off if I, if I had it. Yeah. Given that it just presents itself when you least expect it on a wall. Yeah. And you're seeing something and you're trying to work out, hang on, what, 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 what's this about? Yeah. How do you turn that off? Well, you can't necessarily turn the vision off. The vision will always happen. But you can choose to communicate further and ask for more of a story or you can just shut it off and walk away. But, you know, sometimes when you shut it off and walk away, things can get loud. So they might throw yeah. something, they might then throw something at you or move something in front of your face or move an object towards your body. So I guess a, a lot of the listeners they'd be probably freaking out. Probably thinking we're nuts. Exists, but yeah. I want to ask you about fear because if that happened to me, I would mm. totally freak out. Yeah. How do you deal with the fear that goes along with these visions? Well, I mean, and, and knowing that you're talking straight directly to someone who's gone ahead of you, yeah. So, well, I mean, the fear definitely can take over, especially if you're not feeling great already. Um, but for me, it's kind of like you doing a writing job and you've done you're up to your 5,000th story compared to your third story, you just get so used to it. Um, yeah, but you never get complacent. I mean, I think that's what no. keeps people on their toes. Is if you if you've been given a gift, yeah, and journalism has been a gift to me. You're never complacent. You're always nervous. You're constantly wanting to do your best job. So, yeah. But for you though, you're dealing with the real world and this other world that many of us don't even know or, or won't even begin to fathom. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's more, for me, there's three worlds, right? Because the other topic, um, I haven't really told many people this, only a few of the local people that live near me and maybe my mum. Um, I went to the local pub recently and a girlfriend of mine was talking to me at the bar and she said, now, I went there for her birthday. I said, I'm coming for one drink because I've got to go home so I can't stay very long. So I didn't get drunk. I didn't smoke any weed. I didn't take any drugs. <laughs> right, just to let the <laughs> well audience know. Yeah, uh, no problem doing that. Loved having one drink. It's fantastic. It's always a lot of fun then. So I went to the bar, had one um, scotch and coke. She goes, come outside with me for a sec. I just want to have a cigarette. And I said, yeah, no worries. I'll walk you out. It was her birthday. So, of course, I escorted her out. And she said, tell me more about these UFO stuff. Oh, oh, yes. We must talk about this. I said, oh, look, once, a few times, I've seen lights in the sky blinking or moving or balls of light and, you know, and and, um, crafts that shoot out multicolours at you and... We're stepping over the threshold of the pub entrance 
and she points into the sky and she goes like that there and just above the power lines with the clouds going past it so it was sitting in the clouds kind of using the clouds as a bit of a mask I jumped back because I thought it was a light aeroplane crashing into us and so that initial fear that actual real sensation of me jumping backwards going oh I thought we're gone and it didn't move it didn't keep coming towards us and crash and I was like hang on a sec and looking again and I can see the clouds going past I could see the lights were on inside and the walls had like the interior of the roof of our cars material cream all in the background and the lights were on and I'm thinking well I can see inside these windows. The windows had like steel frames all the way around them. There's about four or five windows. It was a bit bigger than a, a light aircraft. Um, and But no one was looking out the windows and that's kind of what creeped me out. So this is going on for about 20 seconds and I look behind me and there's another guy sitting down having a drink and he's sort of beaming a big smile at me and I'm like, can he see what I'm seeing? She definitely saw it. Anyway, so I reached back into my pocket to get my phone to take a photo and it was gone. And she said to me afterwards, I didn't see that. Don't ever tell anyone I ever saw it. No one's to know where I live. No one's to call me about it. I didn't see it. I'm not a witness with you. And I was like, oh, wow, what a shame. <laughs> but, you know, you've got to respect her privacy and she doesn't want to talk about it. But it was crazy. It was crazy. It was so well, real. Well, let's, let's talk about that that job that led us to look into UFOs. Oh. I found that absolutely incredible what we well, encountered. I, I agree with you. And when you called me, I was absolutely beside myself. You said, you're going to love this one. It's UFOs. And I was like, what? Woohoo, let's go. And we're marching off to the location. I think I stopped at one of the witnesses' houses to do her hair and makeup. And she, That's um, right. But can you just give the background to the story yeah. first? I mean, it, it's the most famous Australian yeah. UFO encounter, isn't it? Yeah, 200, over 200 witnesses saw, I think it was three discs flying over their school, one above the power it, lines. Tell the whole story, yeah, it happened in 1966, the 6th of April, at the Westall Primary School in Melbourne, Clayton South. Yep. We will pause this interview there, and we'll return to you next week for episode four with extraordinary journalist, Mr. Glenn Williams, but we'll also bring you some intimate details about our fantastic trip to Uluru with Lindy Chamberlain along with some stories about Olivia Newton-John, Kylie Minogue and Michael Hutchins. I hope you can join us. Until then, stay safe. <laughs>